Hey everyone, Brett Maddox here. Hope you're doing well. Today we are going to continue our discussion of the document, The Faith Once Delivered, which was produced out of the John Wesley Institute. You can check out our show notes for links to the John Wesley Institute and to this document, which is available for free download. Remember that you can connect with us on social media at Podikesis is where you can find us. You can email us, questions at podikesis.com, or you can give us a voicemail, 404-635-6679. Now, without any further delay, let's start this episode of the Podikesis podcast as we begin our discussion on the eternal, never-changing nature of God. Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends and uh, nominees for the best co-host in Wesleyan YouTube land, I guess. I don't I don't know where I'm going with that. How are you guys doing, Alan and Jim? I'm doing great. Do I get an Emmy? Is there an Emmy for this? Or, is it, or, is it well, a Yui? Once you it, once you, you finish uh, recording the your vocal version of the podcast intro song, you will have the egot. Oh, because um, pretty soon we're going to open Potakesis, uh the Broadway musical. Yes, and oh, that'll yes. open us up for yeah. the Tony. I didn't so right. hopefully, hopefully that musical will be better prepared the than Brett's intro. World. <laughs> Man, this is great. <laughs> I no, just, I'm doing I, great. Listen, I had to. Um, this is the first. This is our third episode of season two and we're recording these video wise yes putting them on youtube so this yes. is my third shade of blue shirt that i've worn <laughs> for the podcast and it's the only time the only time i've ever thought about what i was wearing while recording this podcast there you Listen, go i was like um i have to bathe today because the video is gonna go on exactly yes. i'm so proud I, of you and I decided to shill everything, so I've got the pot of, my Potakesis vest. I've got my Spirit and Truth cup. <laughs> Look so at him! I'm I'm ready to go. So uh, as you see, I'll just this will be me all day. Wow! Right there, nice. So um, hey, speaking of the egot, I mean that also means that um, there's an Oscar. There's a movie. So who's playing who? Like, well, I I think you've misunderstood. What I'm gonna, all I'm doing is taking this episode and showing it in the local theater on a Tuesday <laughs> at 11:30 in the afternoon. Um, I may not even be able to show up. <laughs> I mean, I've got a job and stuff. So yeah. you know, whenever you ask if there was a a movie about your life, you know, who would play you, and you're always looking at famous actors. I think if we do a movie about the Podakesis podcast, we should like. We should play each other. Like I should be this Jim. Is, Tony Miltenberger is going to play me. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> He's almost funny enough. Almost. Al almost. Almost. Almost funny enough. <laughs> I'll play Alan, and Alan can play me, and then Tony can play Jim, and I guess and then Jim. I'll, I'll go take a nap. <laughs> Sounds look, like a sweet look, deal. This yeah. is the way you do business. You get your royalties while you're taking a nap. That's exactly right. <laughs> so. um this was the Podakesis podcast where we talked about Christian things, uh, but apparently we've gone off the rails a little bit here. So, uh, as we tend to do, as we tend to do, um, let's we get on are, with it and earn our listenership. There you go. We are continuing our journey through the Faith Once Delivered document that was published by the John Wesley Institute uh, earlier this year. Um, and so we've been having these conversations uh, through that document. Um, 
last episode, we started about the nature of God. We we looked at uh, the Trinity. We're going to get more in depth with that a little bit later. But today, we're going to be uh, discussing or starting a discussion on the attributes of God, or what is God like, His His nature. And uh, so this is a this is an interesting uh, thing to me when you start talking about God and His nature. How do you define God? Can we even appropriately define God. So let's go ahead and, and, and start this and start with that first paragraph uh, that has to deal with this. So I'm going to turn it over to Alan Kaysen with right. a so, fine reading. Uh, yes. So I love this first sentence. Human beings are incapable of fully comprehending God. Mm. This is like right off the bat. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, this is paragraph 13 in the document. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, because God lovingly makes himself known to us, we are able to know what and who God is. God can be known in part by reflecting on the creation um, and even through rational thought. Hmm. Who God is, however, is made known in Scripture and ultimately in Jesus Christ, God with us. Hmm. So there's this idea that there's this um, general revelation, right? And then there's this um, specific, uh, revelation in scripture of Jesus. So, uh, but I mean, he, we're not capable of fully comprehending God yet. God has made us, God has made himself known, uh, through these different revelations. I, um, uh, when I was in seminary, um, uh, my, my theology professor, Alan Coppage, he had a way of talking about this, um, sometimes we think of God in kind of supernatural terms, um, but that's not even really appropriate. He his phrase was a supranatural terms that God is outside of uh, of of the natural order, if you will, and that because of that, He graciously and lovingly breaks through when He reveals Himself. He breaks through, comes through to reveal Himself in the natural order, in His created order. And I always just love that idea that God is not part of nature. But he's outside of nature, but he has created nature and he has broken through nature. He has the natural order, the created order to reveal himself um, through very general ways but uh, in his creation, but also in very specific ways. Yes. And yeah. Thomas Oden, uh, the great theologian Thomas Oden, um, he, he said that revelation is the unveiling and making known of God's redemptive purpose towards uh, toward humanity. Um, that when we talk about revelation, we're talking about God's purpose, his redemptive purpose, and and him making it known to us. Um, and uh, my understanding of like just classical theology is that uh classical exegetes of scripture and 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 form uh, people who would put together kind of theological understandings um understood that God as the first mover in this, that God broke he 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 came to like he showed himself to us so that we could move towards him um so for those of you who have your potechesis bingo board at home brett has quoted thomas odin yeah um, within so five minutes within five minutes right off the bat um by the way so, this whole episode is going to be brought to you by <laughs> thomas odin's the living god um, <laughs> wow um so um i mean we were talking about this a little bit not not in this not in this context before we recorded about the last few days here in South Georgia have felt amazing mm-hmm. um, oh, with the goodness. weather. And um, I don't know, it was this refreshing of the soul. And maybe it's because I'm already, maybe I'm a Christ follower. Well, I am a Christ follower. Because <laughs> maybe? I, maybe? Okay, what? Hold on. Maybe, okay, hold uh, on. Maybe because I am a Christ follower. 
Um, that, I feel duped. I know, right? Uh-huh. Um, I just can't help but see God in that. Like, I mean, mm. this 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 yeah. inbreak. I mean, this change of weather, and that's how I choose to to see mm-hmm. it. That God is, um, you know, refreshing my soul with this amazing cool mornings um so yeah soak it in and it'll be gone by one o'clock never exactly. to be seen again until exactly. january <laughs> yes. yeah so one of the this is an interesting start and i love it um it, it calls for us a humility and a responsibility okay so for one um it starts out reminding us that human beings are incapable of fully comprehending god which calls us to a, a kind of humility right we know what we know to the best of our ability and we continue to seek to know God in every part of our being. So that we, we're clear to make sure that we are humble before God's revelation. And that brings us to a place when we're interacting with others and living our life, uh, teaching even and preaching, <clears throat> that, we, that we come from a humble place. But also there's a responsibility. God has revealed himself and it would be, um, it would be irresponsible for us to not attempt to describe God. One of the things that mm-hmm. uh, we find mm-hmm. a lot in common theological discourse, maybe around uh, you know the issue of the days, whatever it is on any given day, you always check Twitter for that. Um, of course, is well, we can never know God, so therefore, you know, I'm not really going to try. And 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 right. you can correct me if I'm wrong, and I would be glad to. My hunch is that everything that when we begin our arguments only with that, that we, we basically say everything that we know about God isn't true except for what I'm about to assert. Ooh. Right? <laughs> we don't know right. God, but we know God is, yeah. is like the way that I'm about to describe. Right. The um, other end of it is um, what I know everything about God, uh, and God is all of my mental propositions. So this is a great start. It's a so, great start. Yeah. So can Puts I in just, the right place? Can I can I go for the 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 um uh the, the bingo like, card again? Here? Oh, okay. Um, but just to let y'all know that Jim's just not making this up with what he's coming from. He he's coming from a a good good solid foundation. Um, <laughs> Duh. On this. <laughs> oh, humility. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No. Um. He, hear what Odin has to say again. I I, I oh, love. Hold on. Hold so, on. Thomas Odin, not Odinson. Not Odinson, not, not the Norse t- yeah, god right. with a hammer. <laughs> when it comes to describing the kind of classical understanding of the attributes of God, for my money, there's no better volume than this. Uh, his first volume on the systematics, um, so good. And he says this: He says, "Human beings do not set the conditions for what God can do and how God can become self-revealed." But Christian faith has gained confidence that God will not reveal himself in, in a way contrary to the way he has revealed himself in Christ Jesus. Christianity does not limit revelation to Christ, but through Christ sees God's revelation as occurring elsewhere and finally echoing everywhere. So that first line, though, really backs up what Jim was saying. We don't set the conditions for God's revelation. It's not based upon our own. It's not based on us. Again, going back to what we have been saying from the very beginning of this podcast, um, it's not about us. It's not about you. It's it's about bringing glory to God and enjoying His presence in our lives. So, yeah, there's another um, end to this. It talks about the various ways in which God is 
revealed, and, and it touches on, you know, your natural theology and your revealed theology, that God can be known in part by reflecting on creation through rational thought. God is, however, made known in Scripture and ultimately in Jesus Christ. Um, I want to take us to Psalm 19 for just a second, mm. um, because this psalm, if, if you see the way it's structured, um, it says the same thing. And I'll do a quick read of maybe a little skimming of it, at least through the first seven, eight verses. Um, so the first few verses, um, this it says it's a Psalm of David. David is describing what we might call natural theology. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So you're seeing it. It's kind of that way, like it's a fall day that proclaims God's handiwork. Sure. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Um, there is no speech. There are no words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the earth. In them, he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. And like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. So here in this first section, verses 1 through 6, you have this. God is revealing himself through, in this case, day and night in the heavens above, a natural way. And you get a lot of folks that say, well, you know, I just sense God in the trees, man. It's like, <laughs> yeah, the Bible absolutely agrees with you. You yeah. should sense God in the trees. But the psalm is not finished. Yeah. In verse 7, it starts, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving my soul, reviving the soul. Mm. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, etc., etc., etc. So what you have is it's not an either or. It's God has revealed Himself through means of creation as He sees fit, but that doesn't stand alone. It stands even in this psalm, which I think is a, a really strong sense of holding the fullness of revelation together. The law of the Lord, testimony and precepts and commandment in the Psalms is referring to the law of the Lord, the, the received through Moses and the writings, which then takes us to Scripture. Mm. Okay? So ultimately, later on, revealed in Jesus Christ. So holding these things together is a way to understand God. I know that people uh i mean i've been i've been a pastor now for almost half of my life not quite and with church church folks from all over um there are so many people when you ask them about how they see god it's only outside it's only in the sunset right it's only in the mountains or at the beach and um which is great and we should see god everywhere but that's not the only that's not the primary and only way in which we know God. However, mm -hmm. it is available to everybody, which praise the Lord, God makes himself known in those things. Amen. Amen. So with this understanding or with this kind of introduction to how God reveals himself, um, we will be moving into his attributes, um, what the nature of God is like. And as we move into this, we have an understanding right from the start that our language, our thinking within itself is very limited on this. And so uh, we, we turn to Scripture, we turn to the, um, to, the, to the faith once delivered and passed on to help in this area. So uh, let's continue. Uh, turn it back over to Alan. Right. 
All right. Uh, paragraph 14 is we begin to answer the question, what is God? By referencing the classical attributes taken as a whole, the classical attributes reflect what is commonly understood by the word God. Mm. And then paragraph 15, um, God is unchanging as he ever was. So he ever will be as there was no beginning of his existence. So there will be no end. And this is from Wesley's work on into on eternity. This is the foundation for the distinction between the creator and creatures. Uh, Creatures are dependent on God for their existence and are created. They are subject to change. By contrast, God is not caused by anything external to himself. God is eternal being the great I am who is entirely self-sufficient and free. Because God is eternal, God is unchangeable or immutable. Mm. I am the Lord. I do not change. Malachi 3, 6. (laughs) Good stuff. That is good stuff. Hey, everyone. We will return to the show in just a moment. We just wanted to take this time and tell you about some of our favorite people. As you know, the Podakesis Podcast is a proud member of the Spirit and Truth Podcast Network. Spirit and Truth is a movement of Wesleyan-minded Christians seeking to awaken and equip the 21st century church through the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We long to see a new movement of Christians who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in truth, and mobilized for the mission. For more information and resources, visit www.spiritandtruth.life. Did want to mention that the Spirit and Truth Conference is on the calendar, so make sure it's on your calendar, March 9 through 11 in Dayton, Ohio. That's March 9th through the 11th in Dayton, Ohio. And so we hope to see you there. I know we're going to be there, and it's going to be awesome. And now let's continue our conversation about the nature of God. So, you know, one of the first kind of heresies of the church was had, had to deal with this, whether God could change or not. Um, I think that if I'm not mistaken, I think that was uh, actually a few of the the heresies of the early church had to deal with whether God could change. And it was all predicated on whether, you know, about Jesus's death, um, about um, could God die, all of that going on there. Um, And so this has been something that has been brought up over and over and over again uh, throughout throughout the ages. And, And it's nothing new. I mean, there's even philosophies and theologies out there like uh, process theology, which talks about God changing along, almost like evolving along with humanity, um, if I'm doing justice with that short little definition of process theology. So, uh, yeah, but here, classical understanding of God is that he's unchanging, that he within himself doesn't change, because change um, implies at some level imperfection, right? Change implies at some level, you, you mentioned the term first mover earlier, that's Aristotelian yeah. thought, Thomas thought, um, that implies that there is one one outside that causes the <clears throat> chain, that that moves. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, there is nothing then greater than God, and therefore nothing can move within God to change, or to begin a process of change. God simply is. Yes, that's right, that's right. God simply is. And that that is, that is um, more than just a way to say, well, you can't change God, people. Stop trying to change God. What it is, it's like it's awe-inspiring mm-hmm. that there is God who simply is being. Mm-hmm. And though we change and we have <clears throat> origins and we have endings and we move mm-hmm. through life um, 
with changing bodies and circumstances. God simply is. Right. There is a being like that at the top of all things that is the source of all things. And that's a majestic thought. And, and as we live in a culture and a world that seems to be rapidly changing all the time. In a um, world that's yes. rapidly changing. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, no, so it's, it's rapidly changing. Things are all the time. Things are moving and, and information's going so quickly and, and, and all this to know that our God remains the same. Yeah. Um, that he is immovable, unchangeable by anything that is happening around us. Um, uh, that, I mean, that gives me comfort. Um, it gives me peace. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is, uh, it gives me hope. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good. That's good. Um, so we've got this, uh, this eternal God never changing, um, you see this throughout Scripture. I think of passages uh, like in Revelation, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the, the, I am the beginning and the end. Like this is uh, uh, from everlasting to everlasting. Um, those are just powerful, powerful pictures uh, to me of God's, of God's um, grand, greatness, his grandness, if you will. And we have to come to a place where we understand and we confess and we, we agree with um, we are like it, it brings forth our limitations in our minds, right? We we want something to have a beginning and an end because if they if it does, we can box like we can understand it, right? We can fully uh, explain it. Um, but God is bigger than that, and uh, for me, I agree with y'all. It's majestic, it's beautiful, and it's um, awe inspiring and it's comforting as well. Yeah, you pick up a couple other pieces here too. God is not caused by anything external to Himself. Um, because God simply is. This this is grabbing hold of some great logic as well as uh, differentiation in other world religions. Um, God simply is, and if there was something external to God's self, then God would not be God. And so, if you if, even if you look back at the earliest philosophies and. Uh, what is it? Logicians, logic people, L- logicians, logician, magicians, magicians. Uh, they <laughs> mathematicians. I don't know. I I think I could claim Aristotle on this too. Found God, found that there is a God like the God of the universe simply by following claims of logic. Yeah, uh, which is a beautiful thing. Now the other is God is entirely self-sufficient and free. Yeah self-sufficient and free. God requires nothing to remain God. God requires nothing Mm -hmm. to remain being. God requires nothing um, because he's not lacking anything in himself, Mm. Um, which is a a good starting point to talk about um, the relationship between God, creation, and humans. Mm -hmm. God created us. God does not need us. What does that say about God, the the pure love of God? Mm-hmm. And that's something... He, and how good he is. Yes. And, he, he, and, and, and when we rebel, like he, he does what he does to redeem us, because right. he doesn't need us, but he still does that. Like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And God is free. Um, that is, that God is... God's choices, God's activity, God's being in the world is not dependent upon 
any activity of the world in creation or in a person. Mm. Um, which take this comes from this isn't just an outside claim. This is a claim that comes from the fullness of reading scripture revelation through the church. So then when you come up to things like, hey, did God change his mind when Moses prayed in Exodus? Mm-hmm. If you don't have the full scope of the scriptural understanding of God's unchanging nature, mm-hmm. then you could very easily say, well, God obviously changes his mind, mm-hmm. and therefore God always changes his mind, and therefore God is like this other thing. But when we take and then read it back into the context of the full tenor of Scripture, I have to ask instead, hey, it appears like God changed his mind, mm-hmm. but because I also know that this is true, I have to dig a little bit deeper into what is actually happening and what this means. Mm-hmm. So I can't just run into, say, for example, Exodus and pull out a full theology about how God changes and therefore God's changing now, and he's obviously changing the way I want him to. Uh, to accept my positions, my politics, and et cetera. Ooh, yeah, instead, right. what I have to do is say, instead of taking one thing and building a whole theology, it's my responsibility to take the whole theology and take it back to the one thing, mm-hmm. and then interpret and speak and pray from there. Right, right. You know, Always, uh, If I'm making any sense, let me know. I'm counting on these guys to tell me when I to shut up when I start ranting. Oh, don't that, worry. We'll, we'll tell okay. you. Yeah, oh, we, we, we've got you. I guess I we should have never doubted that. Well, and it just always goes back right to that very first thing, that very first you know episode that that we did together. Um, what's the chief end of humanity to uh, glorify God and to enjoy Him forever? Like it's not again anything, any any limitation that we try to put on God, being it God changes God, whatever is based upon us, right? It's based upon our what we we making God in our image. And the truth is, is that God made us in his image. And um, so, yeah, you're right. We bring it back to that one thing. Um, and that's so good. That's so good. Um, and I guess I just I keep going back to that. Like, Jim, you said it and that, um, you know, he doesn't need us yet. He created that show. He shows his love, but he doesn't need us. And when we rebelled against him, he still pursued us. Right. He's still did what he did throughout history, this history of salvation to redeem humanity and all of creation is just a, um, yeah. Abounding in mercy and steadfast love. Yeah. God demonstrates his love for us that while we were sinners, while we were rebellious, he, he died for us. Okay. Yeah. If you go back, even in the old Testament, which everybody says is like, God's not really that way. That's the angry God. You see things like I am slow to anger. Yeah. Um, abounding in mercy and steadfast love. Um, well, I guess that's maybe part of, I mean, maybe the, the idea that God appears different in the Old Testament than he does in the New, that maybe that is part of um, some some people's understanding that God changes. I'm just I'm just throwing that out sure. there. I'm just spitballing. Um, yeah. Um, but it's, 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 I don't think that's a proper understanding of who the God, who God is right. um, throughout Scripture. Right. Um, it's an improper reading I would, I would also say that um, if you think that God appears differently in the Old Testament than the New Testament, then you haven't really spent time reading the Old Testament right. and the New Testament. Exactly. Right. Exactly. exactly. What you've got is a couple images of things, maybe from the histories in, of Israel. You've um, taken out all of God's self-declaring in the Pentateuch, and you haven't read through the Psalms, and you haven't heard of God's great plan and desire for his people through the prophets. Um, you're missing out. Oh, mm-hmm. don't get, and don't get me wrong, there. 
last night we were doing a Bible study and we looked at the end of Judges and there's some there's some rough stuff. There's some rough stories in the Old Testament. Yeah. But I do think you have to you have to you have to read all of it to understand um, again God's great plan of salvation and and His great plan and love for us. So yeah, um, yeah. So uh, all right. So then we go as as God's not changing, right? Um, there are He doesn't He's not subject to some of the same things that we're subject to, like suffering, sure. pain, that kind of stuff. So uh, uh, the next paragraph speaks to that. Yeah. So this will, uh, I think this is our last paragraph for this episode, but um, because God is eternal and immutable, he is also impassable, meaning that he is not subject to the sufferings that we experience as creatures. For example, sickness and loss. Although impassable and self-sufficient, God is full of compassion and sympathizes with his creatures mm. in our sufferings, hardships, and tragedies. Mm. Mm. That last part, God is full. Uh, God is full of compassion and sympathies with His creatures and our sufferings. Although He's impassable and self-sufficient, He is compassionate and sympathizes. Wow! Right. The theological term of this paragraph is immutable mm-hmm. uh, or impassable, meaning He is not subject to the sufferings we experience as creatures. So that's a pretty big deal when you think about. It defines his compassion um, and sympathy for his creatures and creation. You've probably had like somebody sympathize with you for the sake of, you know, trying to get your attention um, or to get something out of you or to fulfill like they feel somehow bad about it and they'll, you know, share in compassion or sympathy with you to meet their own needs, right? Um, God doesn't have any of that. God is compassionate and offers sympathy by pure choice, Mm. which means that his compassion is the purest of compassions because it is not coming from a place of lack or a place of hurt and harm um, where God is is subject to the sufferings we experience. Mm -hmm. The fact that God is not subject to those things and would still act in compassion and sympathy heightens for me what it means that God is compassionate. And as you hear this, you you know, you may be thinking, well, what about Jesus? Didn't Jesus suffer? Isn't Jesus God? Didn't Jesus suffer? How does this fit into this? And um, Paul, I think, speaks to this uh, very, very clearly in Philippians chapter 2. Um, I'm going to, um, yeah, I'll just read this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy— Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being insane in the full accord and in, in one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interest, but also on the interest of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was, and this is the key piece to this, I think, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, or some uh, translations will say exploited or used for his own advantage. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, 
Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Um, most scholars believe that Paul is quoting an ancient uh, and very early uh, hymn uh, about Jesus um, and, and when he does this. And then uh, you see this movement, this uh, the the condescension of Christ and then the ascension of Christ even in this where he came down, he took on a form. It's this, as Jim was alluding to earlier, this free choice among God to do this, right? To come down, to incarnate so that he could become a servant to death. He could die. He could he could atone for sin. He could rise from the dead and ascend into heaven. That this is a movement of God by his free choice to to do this, to come in, in into in our into our world, into um who we are. Yep. And this is um uh, an image of God's pure compassion and sympathy that he, though not required, would choose to right. empty himself of right. all things to sympathize at the greatest level with humanity that could be possible, right. which is to submit himself to experience this. Now, I want to make something clear, and this might just be a, a, a mental game here. Um, we talked about God not being subject to the sufferings that we experience, and then we think, well, what about Jesus? Mm -hmm. We need to remember yeah. that it's not God and Jesus. It's God who mm -hmm. is Father, Jesus, Son, and Holy, and Holy Spirit. Spirit. Right. Okay? Right. So God, the Godhead, God who we know as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as being is not, uh, is impassable, meaning not subject to the sufferings. Now, God in free choice, uh, through the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit, became incarnate in the Son. So right. we just, I want to keep the Trinitarian framework in front of us. So it's right. not everything, it's not God and Jesus. It's God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's correct. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And well, that's, and, a, it, yeah. yeah. And what not, you know, I also think about Hebrews 4 and that we have a high priest who is, um, who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses because um, he has been tested in every way, but was without, with, but was without sin. Um, mm -hmm. I think what a, powerful message of God's love that God would choose yes mm -hmm. choose to become human to ex to experience what we experience so that then he is able to fully sympathize with us as we go through our struggles mm -hmm. um and so i think i mean what a great i mean that's what a great gospel of love that is absolutely and see and how is, much more rich it is because we are reflecting on the character and attributes yes. of God. And and I would also just like to add, too, that these conversations about the nature of God, the attributes of God, are, they're not something new. Um, this has been going on um, in ancient Judaism, talking about the nature of God, in early Christian uh, thought, talking about the nature of God, um, and then moving into the, even the early church and the ancient church and the, uh, the, the, the ecumenical councils, like the Council of Nicaea and Ephesus and uh, Laodicea and, and, and Chalcedon, these, these councils that came together, they were all formed to have discussions and to come to a consensus, if you will, about the nature of God, who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, and, and to, to, that was so important. And um, as we come to an end for this episode, I started with Thomas Oden. I want to I want to end with something he brings up when he talks about the definition. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> when he talks about the definition of God, and and, and this has 
this has to do with community and consensus and why we, when we talk about the faith once delivered to the saints from June three, from Jude three, uh, we're we're talking not just about we're, we're talking about whole consensus of things. And uh, so this is what Odin says here. He says, uh, um, a Christian definition of God means a clarification of what is meant by the term God in Christian prayer and proclamation, a conception of God that emerges out of the shared memory of historical Christian experience. It is a true definition of God only if Christ's revelation of God is true and truly remembered. And then he goes on to say, he says, if 10 believers got together and wrote a definition of God and then approved it, for instance, by a seven to three vote, this would not make it normative for Christian teaching. It becomes true for Christian teaching, not by changing styles of popular consensus, but by resonance with the consensus of apostolic teaching and ancient ecumenical clarification. So, the nature of God, the definition of God, is not based upon popular vote, but by by the, electoral uh, vote, or by electoral. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're too close to 20, 2024, Jim. Come on now. Uh, so, but uh, uh, but it is based upon centuries of consensus work done in communities of faith, of pouring over the scriptures, of doing the hard work of saying, this is right thinking, and this is wrong thinking. Like, that is, uh, when that that's, is so important when we come to understand these discussions about the nature of God that comes out of history. And Alan, aren't you just so impressed that uh, Brett was able to pronounce all those words? I am. <laughs> I'm super like, proud of him. Like I think, yeah. I think, I think what he's got is like he's got a list of like I want everybody to know I can do this. Here's the I've words a, I'm going to say today. I've got a, I've got a pronunci- pronunciation. I can't even say pronunciation. Of pronunciation. Yeah, well, it's, it's just trouble. real. <laughs> I was just proud. I was able to say immutable. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you Listen. said that, I was like, can you find the remote? I don't know. You just, <laughs> just, just come on. Is it mutable? Is it mutable? <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, this is a man. This has been a good discussion. I um, we get to talk yeah, about I, God. How awesome is that? I know. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> yep. I think I like it. <laughs> I might do it again. Do might. it again. <laughs> hey guys, let's do it again, and then let's wear the same clothes next time. Yeah, we I, think, I think we might. I think we might do that. I think I just want to do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna turn my shirt inside out when we record the next episode. All right. So, um. I uh, I don't even know where we are now. That just completely. <laughs> I think we're at the end. Yeah. We're at the end. Okay, okay, okay. And all of our listeners said, "Praise it's the Lord. Lord!" It's time to land the plane. Let's unmute them. So anyway, um, anyway, so it is uh, good to be with you all. Um, thank you for joining us. Whether you're joining us um, on a on a, a podcast, uh, listening to it audio. Or whether you're joining us on YouTube and uh, wondering what in the world is going on, uh, we are so glad that y'all have joined us, and uh, we look forward to talking to y'all again soon. Y'all have a great day. As we end this episode, we will have all the links mentioned in the episode, particularly those links pertaining to the John Wesley Institute and the document, The Faith Once Delivered, available 
uh, in our show notes. That uh, document that Faith Once Delivered is available for free download. So just click on that link and go download it, and you will have that resource. It's fantastic. Uh, be sure to hit us up on social media. At Podakesis is where you can find us. You can find us on our website, podakesis.podbean.com, and you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. So share us with your friends and tell them just to find us wherever. You can leave us a voicemail, uh, 404-635-6679, or leave us an email, questions at podakesis.com. And as always, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes, which helps us out there. We greatly appreciate it, and we greatly appreciate you. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Have a good one, and God bless.